Hey, I'm Brian Holland, and I'm here with Holoseco. Hey, guys, what's going on? Hey, uh, we're both kind of drunk, but that's okay. We're doing the plugs, yeah? Everyone's I'm exciting? So, I'm so excited. Everyone's so excited. All right, cool. We're just here to tell you we're, we're not going to talk about the Patreon this week. We're not going to talk about uh, any of the events that are coming up that we like to promote, even though peripherally I kind of just did. Uh, <laughs> H- Hollis, tell, tell them what I'm so excited about. Well, you're excited about too, but I'm especially excited about it. I'm, I'm pretty excited, but I know you're super excited. In, yeah. uh, in, in seven days, or I guess when they, when they hear this, what, four days, three days? Some, some bullshit like that. Yeah, yeah uh, we're going to be at Gen Con um, for uh, Netrunner uh, Nationals. I'm so flesh. excited. We're gonna like be, I'll there. be there in the flesh. Yeah, we're and gonna... a lot of people don't know this, but you and I haven't actually met. We haven't. Like, no, it's gonna there, be so special. Our friendship <laughs> is only through the internet. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah, but basically, Hollis and I are both gonna be at Gen Con for for the full four days. We'll be doing Netrunner stuff. I'm sure Hollis will drag me along to some fucking bullshit D and D thing. Probably, which which I'll pretend not to enjoy. <laughs> and and uh, we're aware that this is a podcast, so you can't see us. But if you do know what we look like which is possible because we post photos on the internet. We do do that. Uh, we do that from time to time. Uh, please, and you like the show, please come up to either one or both of us, preferably both of us, but especially me because I'm Australian and I don't get to go places very often. Um, and I might never be allowed to come back after November. Am I right? Joking. No political jokes. Come and say hi. If you like the show, let us know you like the show. And I tell you what, between myself and Hollis, we might have something a little special to give you. There's a possibility. There's a slight yeah. chance that we may or may not have some special things to provide. Special thing. No funny business going on. Some fun winning agenda paraphernalia, perhaps, or some netrunner stuff. Just please say hello. Say hello. We're super excited. Anyway, and without further ado, uh, Hollis needs to get to bed, and I need to get out of the house because it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I've got a friend coming over. Um, <laughs> please enjoy this week's episode of The Winning Agenda. Please do. Good evening and welcome to episode 94 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight our panelists include 2015 and 2016 regional top 8 competitor Hollis Echo. Hey, hey guys, what's up? 2014 Australian National Champion and 2016 Regional Champion Jesse Marshall. Hello, and uh, I have a bit of lag time over here in Sri Lanka, so apologies to our listeners. <laughs> oh, in there with the sick current burn. Is that a current? I can't remember. Was lag time a current? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Oh, good. You know, I think it was not, the first current. I'm, I'm not. Fact. I'm not yeah. that out of time. Touch. <laughs> and and I'm your host Brian Holland, and and we're uh, should be um, getting on board here. We have to wait like around about 23 seconds for Jesse's lag to kick in. Yeah. Exactly 23 seconds. No. <laughs> I get it. Possibly. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? There's really no way of knowing what could happen in that time. Hopefully, nothing terrible. <laughs> but we're going to be talking about the corpse side of 23 seconds, and we're going to start with Fairchild 1.0, which is an HB Ice code gate by a Roid Res 1 Strength 2 Influence 1. The runner can spend a click to break any subroutine on Fairchild 1.0. The two subroutines both read, the runner must pay one credit or trash one of his or her installed cards. Jesse, is this like uh, where we want to see our Bioroids going? Uh, so the upsides of this card are that it is one to res and that the runner must do one of the two things if able, regardless of whether they can't do the other one. So if they have no installed cards to trash, but they do have one credit, they have to pay one credit. If they have no credits, but they do have cards, they can't choose to pay one credit because they have no credits and they do have cards, so they have to choose to trash one. So it's harder to avoid. Um, it is, as I said, one to res. And if you, if people are clicking through your bioroids and spending two clicks, um, 
to avoid two, two subroutines that you've only paid one for, you're way ahead. If people click through your ELI, you're already ahead, but if you're only paying one for a fair child, it's even better. However, it is only similar to PUP, uh, two credit tax if they want to pay the credits. And it remains to be seen whether in HB, where you're trying to build perhaps more taxing servers than simply two credits for your piece of ice, um, particularly one that doesn't end the run early in the game, uh, it remains to be seen whether that's something that the HB decks actually want. Um, because, uh, say, a wall of static, you pay three for it, it's going to end the run early. Once they have their corroder, it costs them two to get through. Um, so similar uh, uh, tax later in the game, but that early game um, end the run is much more important. Um, whether you can... I don't think you're ever going to be able to really get people with Fairchild in terms of trashing their stuff, because most people will have at least one credit when they're making a run or a click. Um, you're not going to often see people running on their last click with no credits. So, yeah, it's just really, for me, it boils down to whether or not the tax of two is something that HB wants to spend a card slot on. Mm. Alice, do you agree? Um, I totally agree. Jesse hit the nail right on the head. I mean, um, Fairchild is definitely, uh, for the most part, it's going to be a card that simply works as HB's version of Pup. And I actually think that's okay. I think that's fine. Whether or not it's exactly what HB wants to do um, is still up in the air. I think, I guess we're waiting on the meta to kind of determine you know basically fall into line to see what what gets played but at the same time i think that uh i think Fairchild's a pretty good card um also i dare jesse to say what he said in the first 10 seconds of discussing Fairchild three times fast i dare him the next hp card is sherlock 2.0 the, re the return of benedict cumberbiatch uh ice century bioroid <laughs> tracer <laughs> res res seven strength six influence three the runner can spend Two clicks to break up to two subroutines on Sherlock 2.0. The first two subroutines both read Trace 4. If successful, add one installed program to the bottom of the runner's stack. And the last subroutine is Give the Runner One Tag. So it's really interesting to see a hard tag uh, out of a uh, fun HP Bioroid like this. Now, the first Sherlock uh, sort of had mixed reviews. It did see a little bit of play. I will always remember it because I face-planted into it when I was playing Max on my last click and uh, my opponent put two of my breakers on top of my deck and then they were trashed the following turn. So it was just so hectic. Uh, Jesse, you've been enjoying this one though. Yeah, it, so it's similar to a lot of the buy roads that don't end the run in that uh, it's not great at the back of a server. So it's in a sense sort of positional ice, which makes it a little bit annoying to play. But like Vikram um, and the Itchies in a sense before it, uh, it is quite powerful at what it does do, and that is tax the runner quite heavily, either two David counters to avoid the two important subroutines generally in HB, which are the first two, um, or two clicks, both of which are quite heavy taxes, or they're paying, um, say with Dagger, for example, two stealth credits and two normal credits, which is also quite significant, or with another Century Breaker, also a significant number of credits. So it's quite taxing if they do want to break those, and if it's on the outside of an end the run ice, they really do have to break those subroutines or be significantly ahead of you on money, because double trace four um, is quite a lot for everyone to deal with, except people playing Rabbit Hole Nexus decks. Um, <laughs> it's also good on R&D at the back of the server, which is something a little bit different perhaps to Itchy and uh, Vikram, because it can add mediums to the bottom of their stack, which is sort of nice against those medium dig decks, which can give you a bit of trouble. So it has some extra utility there. The tag subroutine, rarely going to be relevant in HB, sort of the faction that you fear tags against least. Um, but 
it's there. So it can be useful, I suppose, for trashing stuff. Excellent. Alos, do you have a differing opinion? Um, I, not so much. Um, the thing is, is I, I feel like when you encounter Sherlock 2.0, the first thing you're going to realize is that, number one, Benedict Cumberbatch is uh, just a force to be reckoned with, and Martin Freeman does an excellent <laughs> job. No, I, I think that, the, um, I think that the, the Give the Runner One tag is really unique, right? Because it's the first time in HB that we're seeing like a really solid way, I think, to, like, to land and stick a tag. I feel like if you encounter Sherlock 2 and you're not equipped to deal with it, most of the time you're going to double-click and, and uh, get through the traces. And just take the tag and move it later, probably. Um, because putting a... I think the problem with that, though, Hollis, is that you, the person who's res the Sherlock needs to be able to beat you on money again after already having spent seven yeah. on resing the Sherlock on that turn for those traces to be relevant that turn. And you then need to have a card in your deck that you've put in there in the hope that they take the tag, both of which I think make that scenario quite remote. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think it, it, it's an expensive endeavor in general to be able to like expect them to take a tag, not remove it, and then be able to trash additional resources going forward, I still like that it has the added additional tax of having that tag. Because when it's all said and done, effectively the runner effectively Sherlock is basically click three times. If you were to look at it objectively, right? You can spend two uh, two clicks on the traces and then the additional click and two credits to remove the tag, which seems pretty neat. Um not overpowered by any means, but definitely a cool tool to have in the HP uh HP color pie. Uh, the first Jinteki card is uh, Hyobu. I hope that's pronounced correctly. Uh, Hyobu Research Facility. It's an asset facility, res zero, trash four, influence three. And it reads, the first time each turn you reveal secretly spent credits, gain that many credits. This is fun. Isn't this fun? Isn't this the Psy card you always wanted? Jesse, how many how many times are you going to gain one credit? So many times. Well, as a serial two spender, I think I'll be gaining two more often than one. Two but, credits. Yeah. Yeah. But this does really pervert the Psy game, doesn't it? Like more than I'm giving it credit for with my levity here. It really does pervert it in a way which it's, it's, it, it changes it completely, in my opinion. Absolutely. It becomes more like a rigged results from the last pack, which is... You know, there's absolutely no economic downside to what the person who wants it to succeed bids. Um, so it really just becomes a guessing game. But it's even better than that because the other person um, is actually having to spend real credits in order to fight exactly. it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it turns it completely on its head and makes it um, very much about what can the runner afford to do and can they afford to keep up with you. Um, whereas side games in the past, often runners have been able to run into Caprice servers repeatedly just to force the corp to spend Just credits. Mm, um, that's not happening, yeah. Whereas now, you could have a Hubu research facility in a remote, and then a naked Caprice with a um, agenda, um, and it's actually taxing the runner to try and yeah. get at that Caprice, which is a complete mm. turnaround. So it could be quite interesting. Uh, Hollis, do you spend much time kicking around Hubu, or what's the go? Will you be trashing these on site? Are they a must-trash, like trash immediately? I'm going to take this opportunity, actually, to give a very big shout-out to a gentleman. I think his name is Cecil, and I see him posted Netrunner Geeks all the time. He's the pretty much the only, like, Nisei Division player that I've really met that, like, has won, like, regional, and I even think a nationals with a, um, 
with the Caprice Nisei deck, he's probably going to have a lot of fun with this card. And I think that, of course, in that build, this is where the card shines. So I totally agree with Jesse. Jesse has the, you know, again, as very well, um, you know, summarized. By, by Caprice Nisei deck, do you mean Nisei Division deck? Sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah, Nisei Division. Yes. Because I'm pretty sure one, uh, one Dandage NEO won Worlds with a Caprice Nisei deck twice in a row. I mean, this, I mean, obviously, this card is very much thematic and fits a very specific ID, right? So um, I imagine if you play that ID, you're going to probably play this card. And just, just like Jesse said, it's, it's going to tax the runner and prevent you from effectively getting taxed when you, you know, take advantage of the ID. And I think this card's fine. Uh, the next card is Chrysalis, so we won't spend too much time speaking about this because we did cover some of these cards when we had uh, Damon Stone on to talk about the uh, Flashpoint cycle in 23 seconds in, in particular when it was first announced, but we'll just go over it quickly. It's uh, Ice, Sentry, uh, AP, Res 3, Strength 2, Trash 1, Influence 2. If Chrysalis is accessed from R&D, the runner must reveal it. When the runner accesses Chrysalis, he or she encounters it. Ignore this ability if the runner accesses Chrysalis from Archives. Do to net damage, and of course, in case you missed it, this card is an ice that can be trashed. Jesse, have you had a chance to test this at all? Uh, I haven't. Um, haven't gone back to sort of a, a PE build since Sports Hopper came out because it was just such a downer. Yeah. That people could Oof. draw cards in the middle of my attempted net damage kill combos. Um, yeah, I mean, all, all the things that we said in that original uh, discussion were true, I think, that having another trap, another piece of ice that triggers when runners are R&D digging you is really sweet. Uh, the fact that it can be gotten rid of by runners in, in a way that Archangel can't makes it a really nicely balanced card and one that I'm not afraid to see entering the metagame. Uh, whether the encounter is really going to be enough at a strength 2 sentry remains to be seen. Um, you know, it's one card for Faust. It's pretty easy for most sentry breakers, one credit for Mimic. Um, as opposed to Archangel, which is six strength code gate, a lot of which is a lot harder for a lot of decks to actually deal with. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see if it's worth slotting in. I think that the strength of the encounter, and uh, as in the likelihood of the encounter actually leading to net damage, is something that people are probably going to have to consider very carefully before slotting this in their deck. Um, so we'll see. Tell us. Um, interesting. Interestingly enough, um, I've been uh, playing with this card a little bit, and um. I'm actually a little bit uh, less impressed than I thought I would be, if for no other reason but because it, the card is actually within Mimic range. It has its sort of surprise element, where if you access the card while it's on like R&D or HQ, or NHQ, um, basically, you know, you can take the net damage or you encounter the card, but Mimic and other Sentry Breakers are so very common as one of the first Breakers you install. Um, it's pretty rare, I think, that people actually get surprised by it. In, in, the, in the instance where they do get surprised about it, it's sort of one of those examples where they sort of go, well, I've learned my lesson. I kind of won't do this again. Now, whether or not that slows them up enough during, uh, you know, doing any game is, I guess, a, another question. Um, but in, in general, I think a three cost for a two strength is okay. I mean, basically, it taxes them one. Um, it has the added benefit of working when they accesses it from H- access it from HQ or R&D. Um, and they don't have a breaker installed, which is nice. But in general, I think that this ability will trigger far less than expected when it's all said and done. Make, and so it basically comes down to if the ability is not going to be triggered often and the ice itself is lackluster as ice, that makes me think that the card effectively sits in a very meh position as far as we know how good it is. That being said, uh, sure. I mean, I think it's worth playing with. I don't know. I get, the the meta's unknown. I don't know. I don't know, Brian. 
No, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that assessment, Hollis. Like the fact that it sort of does two things and it does neither of them particularly well makes it unlikely to really see competitive play. Like you're not even in an IG deck, which is the sort of deck where you want as much net damage as possible to trigger out of your R&D when they're R&D you because it's sort of the only way you can lose. You're just going to play three shock and three snare above this, I think, most of the time. Yes, this doesn't cost money to trigger like snare does, but it snares a guaranteed hit, whereas this is just so unlikely as the game wears on that it's actually even going to do anything at all. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. 100. Okay, the, the next card is uh, Georgia Emilyov. Uh, she's an upgrade, Sysop. Uh, uh, Sysop. Sysop, sorry, every time. Sysop. Uh, res, res 1, Trash 3, Influence 2. Whenever the runner makes an unsuccessful run on the server, do one net damage. And two credits, move Georgia Emilyov to another server. I like this card a lot, not because I think it's good, just because I think it's really cool and interesting. Um, I think it's really good. You think it's really good? Um, uh, yeah. I, not, not really good. I think I, I need think to it, test it, it be before good. I can really... I, the, the situations are coming up in my head. I'm like, oh, I can see where this will trigger, but I'm not sure how often it would trigger. I'm not sure how often I would use that second ability. Two credits is really nothing to sniff at. Um, so here are the times yeah. that they might take net damage, right? Like when you when they're running your Caprice server and you end the run is primary one. So having Georgia and Caprice in the same server is massive. And the fact that you well, can... And it's funny that you should say that because it looks like she's in the same room that Caprice is seeing trimming her bonsai tree. Which is sweet. And the fact also that you can have your Georgia in a different server. So they can definitely not see this coming. You have your Caprice and a install advanced Nisei mark 2 in your server you have your georgia emily i've installed on your r&d in the root you raise your caprice as they approach the last piece of ice um before your at the same time you res your um georgia uh, no you can you can actually do it later because it's when the runs are successful that this triggers I think. yeah anyway we'll, we'll figure out the time yeah. later but either way you raise your georgia on r&d you move it across and um you know they have to then contend with both georgia and caprice um, and the fact that if your Caprice triggers, not only do they have their run ended, but they are also taking net damage is kind of sweet. Um, then if they do beat the Caprice, you can just move your Georgia away again. Yeah. Um, which is really, really, really cool. The fact that they can basically never trash Georgia as long as you have money. willing to spend the money. Oh, so you spend much time chasing Georgia from server to server? Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some, uh, something that Wolfie would probably... Like, I, I bet Wolfie is asleep right now, I and mean, if he's asleep... I'm willing to bet he is like when the moment I say this, he's gonna wake wake up in a cold sweat if Byroid sweat like oil would be dripping from his face. It's very funny because at the time of this recording, Wolfie is at his job, but it's just funny to assume that he's also sleeping. There. <laughs> he's recharging. He's recharging that. <laughs> I do that really like that? Just him passed out at his desk. Yeah, go on. Yeah, <laughs> go on. What are you gonna say that's gonna make him sweat sweat oil? So I feel like um. You know, uh, Jinteki Personal Evolution, and we've just we just had recently spoiled right a another um, Jinteki uh, uh, identity that says that whenever you would normally take net damage, you also trash the top card of your deck. It feels like Jinteki is getting into that really scary space where now I I think we might soon maybe if if there's more support a little bit a little bit more support we're gonna start seeing these decks come back where now Jinteki can punish you if you make a successful run. They can punish you when you don't make a successful run. If you access a card that could do net damage. If you don't access, I mean, like, like basically anything you would normally do, install, you know, install a program. Damned if you do. Yeah, damned if you, damned mm-hmm. if you don't, can can effectively uh, effectively do net uh, net damage. Before I before I was ever even marginally good at the game, there was a gentleman named uh, Hollis Gall or sorry, 
Jeff Hollis. That was, that was his name, Jeff Hollis. And Jeff basically discussed and made an article about how Genteki's biggest benefit was part of uh, click compression. Now, if we were to look at that nowadays, we would say it's simply understanding that you can make the runner lose enough tempo so that they need a recovery turn, which opens a window up for the corp. And Georgia Eliov, uh, or sorry, Emil- Emilyov, um, definitely helps this. When you're making a run and you go, okay, you know what? I've just taken too much net. I think I have to jack out here. You can actually say, I think the run, as, as the corp, you can kind of preemptively go, well, I think the runner might actually stop after they hit this. So let's move Georgia. They'll take another net, and either I'm set up for the kill additionally on next turn, or I've just simply just pushed that, um, you know, made them lose additional tempo to increase my window possibly. And I love that. I think that this is the kind of thing that Genteki, um may have actually, you know, added to, the, uh, added to their list so that they can, can, you know, just start to fill these gaps they were missing. Now, I don't know if that means Genteki gets, you know, good or tier one or anything like that. I just am happy this card exists because it is a design space that we have, not, we have not seen before. And the ability... And it's worth pointing out that upgrades are, that aren't regions mm-hmm. are much better yes. than they look yes. most of the time. Yes. And in general, the fact that this card moves itself means that you don't have to maybe even dedicate so many slots to it. In the same way how you can pay money to move it to the server they're actively running on, you can also pay money to move it away from the server they're actively on to avoid it getting trashed, which is amazing. Uh, I'm certainly somebody who likes to play a lot of uh, aggressive, you know, decks with gear check ice, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to playing her in maybe a list similar to that. Just watching people face plant into a vanilla or a, an ice wall or something like that, then also having to take a damage just because you know people poke around, you know, before they put their breakers out sometimes, and just doing fun stuff like that could be good. And then moving on to like the the back end. Well, you chuck it in a chuck it in a server with a snare behind a cortex lock early. You know, there's. So- Things you can do. Uh, <laughs> Jesse has the magic spicy, combo. Yeah. God, wombo combo. Yeah. <laughs> combo wombo. All right. The uh, the first NBN card is Watchdog. It's asset res zero trash four influence one. The res cost of the first piece of ice you res each turn is lowered by one for each tag the runner has. Uh, so this is again another card that we've seen Damon put into the, the works, which. Um, uses leverages tags for nbn in uh, a way that isn't just wanting you to go and kill the runner with your imported scorched package uh w- what do we think of this kind of effect we've seen uh, what's the, the most comparable effect would be shoot the moon right mm. maybe uh a lot of people a lot of people were excited for shoot the moon and this and, is a this know. is a much much better yeah. version of shoot yeah the moon. repeatable um difficult to deal with you know you don't have to draw it at the exact right moment that you need it um uh, and the fact that you can um, now also more reliably tag them is very important. Um, and you, you reach a critical mass of ways to punish the runner for being tagged, and they all become better for that. This is for to trash, which is a lot. And for non-wizard runners, it's hard enough to go trashing things like team sponsorship, which are really, really impactful, right? This is sort of essentially just an economy card it's going to be even harder to justify going and paying for to trash this. Um, and it's zero to res. So I really like it. Um, it's not too much investment for the corp. It recognizes that putting something like this in your deck in the first place is already an investment and spending the click to install it and protecting the remote. Um, yeah, I, I think it's good. I just want to say the thing I dislike most about this card is the quote-unquote censored 
flavor text at the bottom because <laughs> I don't think anyone's looking at those. I don't think anyone's looking at those four asterisks and thinking, wow, I'm really glad they put asterisks there because I nearly got offended by that curse word. Everyone knows what the word is. You look at it and you hear it in your head. I think it That's what reading is. <laughs> it's what re you look at it and you hear the word in your head. That's what reading does. Don't like if you don't want to swear, just don't swear or swear. Fuck. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Hard hitting news. Um, so you don't like Max's flavor text? Then? I fucking love Max's flavor text, but the same thing. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. What the fuck? Were Hard hitting news. Up, up. <laughs> what the fuck were they thinking? Oh. <laughs> operation Terminal Cost 3 Influence 2 After you resolve this operation End your action phase Play only if the runner Made a run During his or her last turn Trace 4 If successful Give the runner 4 tags um, A pr prolific uh, uh, Columnist And uh, Peripheral Guest on the winning agenda Crushed Guava Has really been been uh, harping on about laugh liking this card a, a whole lot. He's been threatening not to turn up to game nights unless 23 seconds is legal because he wants to play his hard-hitting news and he's been really enjoying it. Jesse, have you been digging it as well? I have. I've been also playing it in just about every deck that I possibly <laughs> yeah. can. Um, yeah. I'm not sure whether in the new meta that is as yet unknown people are going to be making runs, but if they are, then this is going to be good. Um, and the reason is that you, there are a lot of ways for you to make the tag stick. The, the downside of it is essentially that they can pay eight to ignore your card. You hard-hitting news, your turn ends, there's no way to get around it with subcontracts, there's no way to uh, use accelerated diagnostics to change other things. Since the latest um, Universal FAQ update, um, we can see that the ruling has been that this just flat out ends the turn. So no shenanigans, it's the end of your turn. What that means is that if the runner has four clicks, if they don't have a wild side installed, which actually has happened to me a few times, that the runner has wild side and no chronotype, and I hard hit and use them, and they're like, ah, crap. Um, so that's a good interaction. Um, but assuming they do have four clicks, if they have eight credits, they can ignore your hard hitting news, which is sort of annoying. It is a big tempo hit, but again, it's a big tempo hit for you as well to be able to pay three and win a trace, um, or to win a trace, because the three is included in the trace cost, um, just to land four tags. So all that aside, how can you best leverage it? You can use things like Zealous Judge, you can use False Lead, um, you can find ways uh, to make your tags more expensive to remove, whether it's through playing it in something like Sync. Um, so a whole lot of different things that you can use to make use of this. Um, it is essentially a, a midway between mid-season replacements and C-Source. It gives multiple tags. Um, it requires them to have made a run but not stolen an agenda. So, and it's actually an easier trigger condition than C-Source because it doesn't have to be a successful run. Um, you can now tutor it up with Consulting Visit, which I've really been enjoying out of Wayland. So for two influence, you, um, you've got these Consulting Visits in your deck, which essentially means you have four copies of Hard Hitting News. Um, cost you two extra credits and an extra click if you want to use your Consulting Visit to play it. Uh, but it means that you pretty much have access to it throughout the whole game. So if at any point they dip below eight, or you think that they're not going to be able to remove the four tags, um, and you've got access to your kill pieces, you can go for the kill combo, which is kind of nice. Um, and I think it opens up just really a whole lot of different plays and different lines of play out of NBN, Wayland, and potentially other factions. XLNT. Hollis, do you have anything you'd like to add? So what I love about this card is that it basically, a lot of times when you have like a, an, an Emia deck that has capabilities of some fast events options, whether it's um, going to be like a psychographics option or um, a sense and city grid option, maybe the running biotic labor, you realize that on the runner side, you have to 
be very, very aggressive because otherwise you will fall behind. And if you're not able to trash the important, um, the important upgrades, assets available in the deck, they're going to basically, they can, they can steamroll throughout the game. Um, now, we'll, we're going to get to the idea in a minute that I think works the best with this. But in addition to that, in, I mean, just the card alone means that you can start playing very expensive assets, um, super advantageous um, upgrades and assets. And for playing them naked with nothing installed, you basically can force the runner to trash them going low on their credit amount and then basically give them four tags immediately. And there's something very, very negative. <laughs> like, I don't know if anyone's played against, uh, played against a deck that runs this card yet. I'm assuming at this point anyone that's competitive is fully aware that this card is a threat. But basically, it definitely checks you when you're looking at the opponent's side, when you're running in their corp, and you're going, well, I have eight credits, and Sansan is rezzed, or, uh, you know, Sensei Actors Union is rezzed. But, I mean, to trash that would be pretty expensive. And I would basically, yeah, I, w- I, would, I would basically open myself up directly to being hit with four tags. Now, the, the way they balance the card is that, of course, by taking the four tags um, and the fact that this card is terminal, you don't really have the option of playing, you don't have the option of playing other operations or the cards after it. But, of course, l- the likelihood of you being stuck with tags if you're at a low credit amount, of course, is tremendous which means that on the very next turn, they're going to resolve whatever number of operations that they needed to resolve anyway. So, um... It's also excellent, yeah. can I just say, in terms of metagame balance, to see the answer to this card in the same pack on the runner side, like to have Juice's Wild, which is an excellent answer to this card, um, sitting in the same pack is great for metagame balance. No, I, so agree with you. I, agree, I agree with you. The ability to say, I make a run, or, you know, or remove a tag, and then, you know... River tag and gain credits right, like the that, next one, you know. So the, it's harder for the corp to predict whether the runner's going to be able to remove the no, tag I, on their turn. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, so, I mean, in general, I think that this card is definitely, um, because we, we, you know, I'm going to speak out loud here. We, we separate ourselves as sort of the, you know, competitive meta um, podcast. And I really think that um, if you have not played with this card, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you haven't played with this card or have not had this card played against you, I desperately urge you to play with it or have a friend of yours slot it in into a deck that utilizes it fairly well and see how much the game has changed for you. Because the, as far as I'm concerned, pro, you know, prior to 23 seconds, the vast majority of runner economies were based on resource-based. They were all resource-based, right? They used um, Katie Jones, Professional Contacts, um, any combination of liberated accounts or anything like that, uh, daily casts, this card, knowing that they can basically give you a hefty amount of tags that would basically make you lose all your money um, or be stuck, you know, just stuck tagged, is significant. It'll change your gameplay immensely. Your gameplay needs to adapt and change. I want to make that clear. And change because this card exists. If you are not paying attention, if you are not aware this card exists, you will probably lose more games than you can count. Because once you are tagged, remember, that opens you up to a whole slew of vulnerabilities. You get scorched, you can lose from meat damage, you can get closed accounts. All of those things are horrible. So just, just keep that in mind. This card, hard-hitting news, is literally as hard-hitting as it sounds. It is really, really bad to get hit by this. Just be aware. Whoa. 
you really controlled that message just being, very well, Hollis. Hey, we got we got to keep it real, man. We got to keep it real. <laughs> no, it was good. Yeah, the, impactful card, no doubt. The uh, the next card is uh, NBN controlling the message. It's an identity megacorp deck forty five influence twelve. The first time the runner trashes an installed corp card each turn, you may trace four. If successful, give the runner one tag. Cannot be avoided. Now, a lot of talk going on about this idea at the moment. We've been alluding to it a fair amount. There's a lot of decks online. So here's what a lot of people are thinking, and I'm going to put it to I'm going to put it to you guys. So here's what nobody knew is that I'm going to sit down opposite you, and you're playing controlling the message, and I'm going to stare at you like I'm staring down the barrel of some big yellow hard hitting gun, and I'm going to say, I'm not trashing anything. You do you. And then, like, what happens? If this ability never fires, what, what are they leveraging? What are they leveraging? Yeah. So then they play a whole lot of assets. They play a clone suffrage movement, um, which is the HB political asset that lets them recur operations. Uh, they uh, eventually tag you um, when you do make any sort of run, because with all of those assets that they've uh, amassed, they can play diversified portfolio. They can use economy assets, get ahead of you in money. Eventually they trace you, tag you after you make one run. Um, and then they can be recurring whatever they want. They can recur closed accounts every turn with their clone suffrage movement. They can recur the diversified portfolios. They can pretty much do whatever they want. Excellent. Hollis, how's your uh, CCM testing? I'm so happy that we moved away from those like Garen and IG decks. Aren't you guys happy we moved away? Like I'm happy, I'm happy those decks no longer exist so we can have controlling the message decks so they trash all your resource econ. That's so nice. Okay, I'm being I'm being facetious, obviously. Like, so, yeah. So the the difficult thing is right that you the ways you can get around this is basically two. One is by playing New Angeles City Hall, and that doesn't even work against <laughs> controlling your message. That only allows you to avoid the other tags. Um, the other one is by playing decks that don't care about tags, like um, DLR decks that have four guys and Wildstep Pavilion. That's about it. To me, what's interesting is that like they've kind of. <laughs> They even sort of took away the the like the meta options available by saying cannot be avoided. Like that means that you can't even use um Jesminder. No, I that's that's that's, that's oh, yeah. yeah, that's why. We we talked about this so it wasn't wasn't I think it was Jesse mentioned a few episodes ago. He doesn't like yeah. when then yeah, like yeah, Jesminder someone can blank a whole ID. And that that little parenthetical statement cannot be avoided there. I'm applauding Damon Stone. He cops a bit of flack, but that is a push of the power level. It would have been very easy for him to have just left that out and have it just like the run of games one tag and be like, okay, well, we'll just well play New- a one copy of New Angeles City Hall, you know, for, for the CTM matchup. Or I'll start playing Jesminder because everyone's playing this deck. It would have been very easy, and he didn't do that, and that's there, and I like that a lot. That's true. I dig it. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, Brian, yeah. when, we're in, when, we're at, when we're at Gen Con, when we're having drinks with Damon, we should bring this up and have an argument. Anyway. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 basically, I will say this. Um, so for those of you who haven't actually, uh, those those of you listening that haven't done the math yet, it's pretty clear. Like, unless you're running any, unless you have a fair amount of like um of trace of link, um, basically controlling the message is very very similar, if not better, probably better. What eighty percent of the time or whatever the number is, um, compared to to Gagarin because. If you see a clone suffrage movement, which, by the way, is, is, is an amazing card. If you see a clone suffrage movement, imagine taking a clone suffrage, trashing it for two, and then taking a trace, trace four, 
and either you pay a four additional credits or you have to pay two credits and a click. So by trashing one single card, um, you're basically going to take um, effectively six uh, credits worth of whatever the happen. You know, you're, you're going to lose six credits. That's pretty massive comparatively um, to what you were experiencing with um, with Gagarin, where you know you lose one credit per access, but a lot of the cards were res, so you get to you get you had the opportunity to choose what you trashed. And you could say, okay, I, this card here is worth the one additional credit tax. Whereas in this case, the cards um, that would normally you would see in controlling the message um, would, you know, give you an additional tag, and that would be pretty rough. So the plus side for the runner versus Gigaran is that you can actually access the card. So you can get the information about what it is without paying the tax at all. But if you do want to get rid of it, the tax is higher. Right, right. Yeah, versus Gigaran, you paid a credit just to even see it. Whereas versus controlling the message, that's not an option. Um, or sorry, that is an option. Excuse me. Um, you can look at it without actually paying a trash calls. Now, of course, on the, on the corpse side, the benefit is there is that, like, if it's not a high-priority card to you, and by the way, if I'm going to install a card as a corp, it's probably good, right? Um, like, you know, if, 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 you run, if you run a pad campaign and you don't trash it, fantastic. You wasted a click, you looked at a pad, and I'm just going to gain the money from it next turn. Um, so basically I feel like controlling the message has a very unique, um, amount of control as far as like an asset or upgrade heavy, uh, horizontal deck. And while there's answers, while there's a few answers to it right now, um, it, if we were to like, you know, sort of look at all the options available to it, when we look at hard hitting news, when we look at mid season replacements and things like that, we're seeing, you know, setups where controlling the message can basically play a high impact card like. Um, with must with must trash assets like commercial bankers group with cards like uh, uh, clone suffrage movement, where those they're playing high impact. Pavilion. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, where you're playing high impact cards, and basically the runner has to make a very tough decision about an incredibly high impact card. The card may only cost you two credits to trash, but when you're looking at from the other side, and you're going, well, it's it's two credits and a trace um, for a tag, and then when that's said and done, I'm going to basically get hard-hitting news on the following turns. So they're going to trash my, all of my economy available. It makes it pretty rough. This certainly, it certainly makes Link a lot more relevant, and it, one thing that I find difficult about this is that it's so hard to balance something like this because it, uh, it essentially adds an additional tax into the trash costs of assets. Uh, yes, it's the first time each turn, but that's still going to be, you're not going to be trashing multiple assets on many turns, right? So adding that additional tax onto trashing assets in your ID ability is really, really powerful. I mean, Argus gives you a flat tag most of the time, but it's only when they steal agendas, which happens far less in a game than trashing assets or trashing installed corp cards when you, as the corp, have control over how important that is to the runner. Um, in terms of what your deck's plan is. So I think this, this ID is really, really powerful, and we may see people having to start playing either more Link or just ignoring, uh, playing decks that don't really care about tags, um, both of which are quite different directions to the, the places that we've been before, I think, other than, obviously, the fact that DLR won world. But anyway, yeah, different to where the meta was five minutes ago. The first Wayland card is Crisis Management. It's an Agenda Security Advanced 3 Score 1. If the runner is tagged, crisis management gains when your turn begins do one meat damage. 
I, I like this card. I think it's cool. Um, and I, uh, when I first saw it spoiled, I thought, oh, sweet, this is going to slot straight into the, uh, the Argus deck that Jesse, Jesse and I play. Um, but the problem with that is that usually when the runner is tagged, we're going to kill them regardless most of the time. That's, that's the sense that, that I've got from this. Like, Jesse, did you test this at all in the Argus build or, or in any other build for that matter? I did, and the the problem is that in Wayland decks, you need money from your agendas most of the time, or you need them, or you need them to be really helping you in some way with killing the opponent. Now, this would seem, on the face of it, to maybe help you sometimes with killing the opponent. Um, but let's take some good, some a good, better case scenarios. One is that they have I've had worse in their hand, um, and you try and snipe the I've had worse with this, with which is what you want your small instances of damage to be doing against Anarchs. This is exactly the wrong time for that to happen because it's at the start of the corpse turn and you don't want them going up to heaps of cards in hand at that point. Um, the, other, the other scenario is um, where they have Plask Greed out and really it's not that relevant to be doing one damage at the start of your turn because if they pass with five cards in hand and a Plask Greed, um, they're still out of range of um, double Scorched if they go down to four cards in hand and a Plask Greed because it's still eight damage that they can soak up. Um, so really, I don't see it being all that relevant. Yes, if they're on four cards in hand and they have a Plascrete, it tilts that in your favor. Every little bit of extra damage you could say will help, but it's not really like any other sort of drip damage because the number of turns where they pass the turn tagged is going to be just so low, um, except the caveat being against um, DLR decks that play Paparazzi, um, but then this is completely useless against that anyway because it's punishing them with more meat damage that they just avoid. So all in all, I think very few uses for this deck uh, for this card and it's another Wayland agenda and another Wayland 3 for 1 that I'm a bit disappointed with to be honest mm. well the uh, uh, next uh, Wayland card is uh, Stock Buyback it's an operation terminal transaction cost 1 influence 2 after you resolve this operation end your action phase and gain 3 credits for each agenda in the runner's score area a fairly niche but fairly Fairly powerful card, and I, I hate to pass it on back to Jesse, but you are the Wayland player. That is the faction that you play exclusively, and uh, <laughs> we'd just like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, uh, so this is actually quite a good way to recover um, against Econ Denial decks. Wayland really, really suffers against Account Siphon probably more than any other faction. Um, yes, you have Chrysium Grid in faction, um, but you really need to be resing expensive ice, and having a few credits taken away from you can be a big pain, and it can be quite hard to recover. Um, so this helps against Econ Denial decks. Unfortunately, it doesn't help the Wayland decks that are playing larger agendas um, and trying to go for a more mid to late game strategy because the number of agendas in the runner score area when your agendas are worth more points is always going to be lower when the game's not over. So all in all, um, a bit annoying that it's not going to be good in building a better world um, as a transaction because it's not good early in the game. Generally, operation economy is much better early in the game. So in order for a, an operation economy card that doesn't give you anything early in the game to be good, it has to be really powerful. And I'm not sure that this is quite good enough, um, particularly when you're playing a deck that they can only really have two, maybe three agendas in their score area before they've won the game. Um, uh, gaining eight from a terminal and not being able to do it early in the game, I just yeah. don't really think is good enough. Yeah. When we took a look at Sonny's card, you know, um, like I want to say two weeks ago, when we took a look at Sonny's card, like the one thing that kind of separated it and made it a little better was the fact that like um, we could take the, 
We would count the total amount of uh, Jenna points scored in both the runner and the uh, and the corpse score area. And so but because of that, it made the card a bit more balanced. When we're trying to take into account, you know, the the or really the agendas in the run square area, the problem is that like what if you're winning already and they don't have anything? Like like I, I feel like this card is definitely sort of like a maybe like win more, sort of. I don't I don't know. I mean or lose more. Or lose yeah, more? like, like yeah. It, just, it feels like if I'm already winning yeah. the game, this card is doing nothing. So when it's all said and done, this is not the kind of card I would slot into like a Wayland deck. Now maybe maybe if Wayland was running like some build that was a whole bunch of free ones and things like that, yeah, like maybe that would be more relevant. But it... what what if you played Power Shot Down and the board and and then res the board and then then play this and then you can't because it's Jesse. the last card from 23 seconds for the corpse side is Sandburg it's an asset res 0 trash 4 influence 0 if you have at least 10 credits each piece of ice has plus 1 strength for every 5 credit in your credit pool now, a lot of people online talk about cards being elitist and stuff like that. And I, I usually don't agree with them, but this card seems very elitist because I, what I want to know, like, not a lot of people have those five credit bits, you know, because they were, like, what, top top 16 originals this year, top eight originals this year? And so you've got this whole swathe of people from the community that don't have access to the thing you Are need you to make this right card now? good. And, and I, don't, I don't know that if... If uh, like it doesn't say anything like do my third party five credit tokens work? If so, my friend shows up with Team Covenant tokens or with like Broken Shell tokens, they're five credits. Like, are they going to count towards this? No, but everyone has the course. Oh, but, yeah, one. but it doesn't say that, right? Like the five credit and it's got that little symbol, and that's what the little orange five credit things are made of. So that uh. must be what they're talking about, right? <laughs> today I learned. Anyway, today I learned Brian's <laughs> pretty good. Like, I don't know, like what? <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah um in all in all seriousness sandberg it's a really another really really nice card zero to res four to trash and the ability to boost strength on ice is something that we really haven't seen all that much so we've had it department corporate troubleshooter and experiential data all in hb and this is instant speed um, pretty much yeah so this is Again, yeah, if they're running on your R&D or whatever server they're running on, you can res this um, as they, after they've decided not to jack out as they're approaching it or as they're approaching the first piece of ice for which they can't jack out. Um, and you're changing the math for the runner um, at a time where it's quite difficult for them to predict what's going on. So that's really cool. It makes runs more interactive. It brings more of the game back to the run, which I really, really like. Um, and it gives the court more ways to interact mid-run with the runner and with their math uh, to try and throw things off. It's not a sort of as hard as something like Caprice or Ash, which is just a blunt way to end the run or to stop the runner from accessing your agenda. Um, and instead, it requires you to work a little bit more, um, but then gives you an effect that can be just as potent uh, as a Caprice or an Ash, even more so. You can wipe their rig, you can do all sorts of interesting stuff with a Sandberg, um, assuming that you've done the work to build up your money to do so. It's worth noting that you do have to, you know, obviously afford to raise your ice and then still be above 10. Um, and that we've seen, you know, cards on the runner side of this pack, like Hernando Cortez, that will punish Corpse for doing this. And even aside from Hernando Cortez, just generally runner econ denial strategies or aggressive runners can force you to um, spend your money earlier than you would like to and therefore make your Sandberg plan more difficult to execute. But 
Global Food Initiative it has been the friend of Control Corp Dex since it was printed and helps immensely in withstanding early pressure from runners, um, keeping your agenda density down in R&D and allowing you to still execute your plan. So I think Sandberg decks with Global Food Initiative uh, and a range of other good control cards uh, could be really, really strong um, and a, a, an interesting way to improve the strength of ice. And I don't just mean the strength as in what Sandberg literally does, but the power of ice generally without having to print a whole new strength of, a whole new suite of ice. You know, it just makes ice more relevant in the game by itself, which mm. I really like. Yeah, I, I dig this card. Yeah, I can certainly see there's, there's times where, like, you're playing the, uh, the classic HP mid-range control lists and um, even, like, maybe you've you res most of your ice already and you're sort of getting your economy back together and you can sort of res this toward the late game when the, the runners sort of, there's been calculating maybe what they need over and over again to get into HQ or R&D or wherever they're trying to get in. Or maybe your remote server in that case. And they've got sort of exaxes and they're going for their glory run or, you know, something like that. Like the penultimate turn and... And you res this, and it just screws up the whole thing for them, and they can't, they they can no longer get in like they thought they could. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of utility here, and I really like the card. I think it's really sweet. Also, yeah, as Hollis was saying before, res zero trash four. Pay attention. That's like the the big target on your back. Yep. Hollis. Oh, I mean, not for you. Or well, no? I mean, okay. So <laughs> I will say this, and I and I think um, this is my opinion to kind of round out like um, what I think about like assets in this first pack for this new set. Okay, this new the new cycle. Um, I think they definitely hit a stride where they realize that because Wizard, if assets become very powerful, if upgrades become very powerful in mass, they know that they have an ID that has not yet rotated um, out that will basically trash those cards at a fairly inexpensive cost. Wizard existing um, and Scrubber existing in like some of those Val decks uh, mean that those cards get trashed fairly easily. So in order for them to make sense, in order for them, in order for them to, be, to be playable, um, the cards have to have a fairly high trash cost and they have to have a fairly low res cost. And I think that uh, Damon has kind of figured this out. The design team has figured this out. They've hit a stride where they go, okay, zero is the res cost, four is the strength, or sorry, four is the uh, trash cost. And we're going to use that as the primary me uh, base mechanic so that Wizards, Wizards still pays one. Uh, Val with Scrubber still pays one. And um, that makes it very, very uh, um, simple as far as like... Um, how the card gets balanced. Sandberg is immensely powerful because it's, I you know we've seen the handy Sandberg deck. Shout out to um to Code Marvelous. Um, we've we've seen handy Sandberg, but I've also seen it played in RP. I've also seen it played in controlling the message, and we've seen the archetypes where the deck, um, well, a deck plays that card, and the biggest benefit is that the credits they amass is so are so are so big and. It's so difficult to disrupt that, um, you know, resin that card at 30 credits, at uh, 20 credits, at um, at 15 credits uh, makes this... Provided you haven't run out of your five credit bits. True. Pr provided, yeah, provided you, <laughs> provided you haven't run out of credits and you're at, you're at five, right? Like, you're at least five. Um, like, it all basically makes it so that your ice gets much, much stronger. And I think that's a very unique ability to exist. For a card that costs nothing to res, it only requires you to have a certain credit limit before the card gets res. After the card gets resed, it's active. Like th there's no there's no limitation for it. Um, I I like that, and I think that um we're gonna see maybe even at nationals, um and going forward all the way to worlds. I think we're gonna see a lot of decks that are utilizing Sandberg as a means to artificially bump ice, 
um, with David being added to the most wanted list, that makes it even worse, right? Because we we know that David uh, was a very efficient br- a way to break ice at um, five or higher. And if a lot of ice is going to be at that strength, David on the most wanted list becomes a much harder card to slot into a deck, um, you know, taxing you additionally. So I think Sandberg is, Sandberg is very powerful. I think that we're going to see a, um, a lot of corpses that utilize it effectively. Um, what I'm really interested to see is I want to see if because of Sandberg, because of cards like Watchdog, and because of other cards, right, like in general because of controlling the message, if we're going to see uh, Wizard uh, remain in the meta, are we going to see more Parisia? Are we going to see Scrubbers? Like, th- all of that to me is very interesting because we don't know what the meta is. Uh, right, Jesse? We don't know it at all. Um, like, so, no. it's, it, I want to know. There's no way of knowing. So I want to I know if, if the runner meta um, shifts very much to having um, a need to play the ability to trash all these additional cards because assets or upgrades have become so powerful and so difficult to trash. So. Well, excellent. That was 23 seconds. Um, from what I felt, I think the corpse side was, was maybe a bit stronger than the runner side. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. I think so. Like, there's, there's, and, like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, ne- negativity on, on, you know, on some of the Facebook groups and, on Reddit in particular about uh, this upcoming cycle and about um, uh, Damon Stone. And, and uh, I, I do think, you know, without brown-nosing too much, a lot of these cards are doing different things. And while they're not all necessarily, like, super powerful, I think even the cards that I dislike are still interesting and that will fill somebody. It might not necessarily be your particular void that you need filled, but it's filling somebody's void for like whatever they enjoy out of this game. And I really look forward to see where the rest of this cycle goes, because even looking forward to a couple of the packs we've had spoiled, uh, like a little bit just on the FFG website, some really fun stuff coming, I think. So uh, I'm excited to get playing with this um, this this cycle and this pack, and uh, excited to see where the meta goes, because at this point, you know, we're like looking, looking, into, uh, looking into the void. All right, for those of you who'd like to get in contact with us, you can do so at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at winningagenda and go onto our Facebook page and like us, The Winning Agenda. Until next Monday, guys, we'll look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye. See you, guys. Oh, thanks, everyone. Sorry, I uh, just had to do battle with a spider on my wall. Being in Australia, it had its own health bar, so I had to sort it out.